is passionate about cars with Steve Kennard, teaching drivers how to survive the world of modern motoring and imparting wisdom to the next generation of motor technicians. Steve Kennard, what have you got in your hand? It's a strange black thing. Uh, this is actually a sort of control unit, I guess you'd call it. I mean, you could call it an indicator switch, because that's where the indicator switch goes. You could call it a wiper switch, because that's where the wiper switch goes. Mm -hmm. uh, you could call it an ignition switch, because that's where the ignition goes. Is it basically a brain that takes lots of inputs and then decides what the output is? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, we've got, as you can see behind that unit, there's a, a, a series of pins, very mm. fine pins, which is like a, a multi-plug. And this, this is actually some sort of control unit. Uh, this is off a of Vauxhall Vectra from about an O2 onwards. Uh, we had one come in a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, the first one that we done, which... Um, took us a little bit of time to find the problem the problem it, it was when it came in the guy was complaining about uh, his gauges were intermittently going dead mm -hmm. um, and also the um, headlights were coming on and staying on which sort of seemed a little bit sort of strange and when, when we checked through various sort of um, units uh, you know our initial sort of thought was probably the uh, some problem with the dash unit yeah with the gauges and that lot um but it really didn't ring too true about the uh the actual headlight unit so so we we had to do a little bit of legwork a little bit of checking through and a bit of testing and eventually we found that um this unit that's situated on the steering column behind the steering wheel um is a control module and it's a programmable unit. Yeah. It needs to be programmed to the car with the security codes that come with the car when they're manufactured uh, and also with the keys. And, um, and and unfortunately, it has to go to the dealer to be programmed. We can fit the unit, Yeah. but as soon as we remove the old unit, that disables the car. The car won't work until it's programmed. And we, we've actually, since the first one, we've actually had three of them come in vectors all vectors mm. uh, around the uh, 0203 sort of year yeah uh, with the same sort of symptoms mm. um, so of course now having spent time the first time finding it we, we go straight to the problem and get the problem sorted but these units to me are a waste of time money and effort um, they're about 300 pound mm. um, and why would you want to put all the switches and everything all in one unit uh, particularly in this day of uh, recycling mm. you know these units now this unit all we can do with it is throw it away there's nothing we can do with it it's like a programmable computer unit uh, and it's no good to man or beast now I'm actually surprised how large it is it looks like mm. you know like the typical steering wheel there's mm. a sort of a big sort of quite a thick stem isn't there that goes into the car behind the steering wheel this yep. just looks like the front part of the stem of the steering wheel I mean there's a big hole through the, through the middle isn't there where yeah. the steering wheel column yeah, goes yeah it's like, like the boss behind the wheel most yeah. of the steering wheels now have like a boss on them and yeah it is it is quite a large unit I mean it also incorporates the uh, airbag squib um, what's which, an airbag squib? The squib, uh, I suppose, if you think of a clock spring, mm. um, inside that plastic piece in the centre of this unit, there there is a like a clock spring affair. Because yeah. if you think about it, you've got to transfer electrical current mm. um, from a fixed wire mm. to a movable steering wheel. 
Yeah. So you need yeah. to have something that's going to give you a constant contact that's yeah. going to move around. Ah, hence the and, cock spring. And not allow any dirt or dust. Because on, on mm. some of the early cars, we used to have... Brushes. Tr- yeah, tracks of... Ah, um, right. Like you know, sort of brass tracks or copper tracks yeah. with with the brushes that would sit on them. Mm. But of course, uh, they were prone for dirt and dust getting in there, and you really don't want to be doing that when you've got a an airbag situation because the last thing you need is an airbag going off mm. when you don't want it to. No. So so what they done? They they've like devised this this method of doing it, which uh, we we refer to as an airbag squib. Some companies do call it the clock spring. Mm. Uh, but again, all the manufacturers seem to have their own names for it. We refer to it as the squib. Uh, on a lot of cars, it just comes as a unit hmm. uh, around about 40 or 50 quid or something like that. Now, what, what you need to be careful, if you remove your steering wheel, yeah. this squib uh, or the clock spring inside, hmm. which is only paper, oh. with it's, it's made up of uh, like a hard paper with a um, copper track on it. Yeah. Like a, and then wound up like a, a clock spring. Yeah. So it allows this centerpiece to be able to turn yeah. left and right. Um, but of course, it will overturn. You know, if you mm. it, most steering wheels will turn about sort of two complete revolutions yeah. from centre to a full lock. Yes. One and a half to two turns, mm. which means you know a maximum sort of like three to four turns from lock to lock. Mm. Um, so you don't want this to be overturned because mm. if you do. It will just break. Yeah. Um, and and we've we've had it in cases where people have taken the wheel off, um, not centralised. Yeah. The squib. So, so when they put the wheel, fully unwound. Exactly. Yeah. Put yeah. the wheel on. Yeah. Lined everything up. Drove off up the road. Fine. You don't feel anything. It's not no. like you feel something go. Yeah. All of a sudden, you'll get the airbag light come on on the dash. Right. Because you've just done the clock spring or the squib. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're going to take your steering wheel off, you need to be extremely careful yeah. that you centralise the squib when you're putting it back on. But again, I'm, I'm not saying that people should tamper around with airbags because to, to remove a steering wheel with an airbag on, in most cases, you need to disconnect the battery mm. for at least 20 minutes, half hour, mm. uh, because they work on capacitors, and we know capacitors store electricity. Yeah. So you need to disconnect the battery, allow the capacitor to discharge... Mm before you actually remove the steering wheel otherwise you could trigger the uh, airbag off and that will give you a bit of a nasty shock if, if it yeah. does go off then um, what, what was the symptom of this Steve because this particular unit that you're holding in your hand does it that mm. wouldn't, the lights wouldn't go off or something yeah the, the symptom it came in um, it had a um, it was either a, a rev counter or a fuel gauge or temperature gauge that just stopped working all of a sudden it was working and it just fell away and it just ceased to work yeah turn the ignition off turn it on again and it, it will be back working mm. and intermittently it would lose the gauges and, and once one gauge went uh it was followed by another gauge and another gauge so everything was pointing towards a dash problem mm. um and then and then um we would then get the headlights actually coming on and staying on without touching anything the lights would just come on and stay on you know and you th- some gremlins got in the electrics Um, but it was all tracked down to this particular unit and as I say we've had three now Um, so it's not a cheap fix it's about £300 I say for this unit and then it's got to be programmed so you've got to then get it into the dealer 
Yeah. Because uh, as soon as you remove it uh, or unplug it, then the car is disabled. Yeah. Because it's a programmable unit. Right. And that and that's that particular thing, which is a pain. You've got another strange story about mm. uh, controllers, haven't you? About uh, a, 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 an accelerator pedal. Yeah, a, a Kia. Um, it's a Kia Sedona we had in last week. Uh, it's a diesel driving absolutely fine all the while it was um, cold uh, when it got up to temperature as it as it sort of got to temperature it, it would lose the pedal the accelerator pedal mm. so so you touch the throttle and it was just the throttle pedal was dead yeah the engine would still run mm. it would idle but there was no acceleration on it um, and uh, you know it because it was a diesel I mean we plugged it into the diagnostic equipment that came up all clear there was no fault codes no nothing so it was suggesting that there was no problem on the management side mm. uh, and obviously we, we've got to trust the equipment um, that's what we buy it for mm. and um, the, the next step of course then is to check the fuel system the diesel system because that wouldn't necessarily give you a fault code uh, on the management side um, first thing to do we, we take the fuel filter off look at the fuel filter mm. Uh, and the fuel bowl in the bottom of the filter is full of metal filings. Oh, little yeah. metal filings. Bad sign, presumably? Not a good sign. Um, the usual sign there, if you see metal filings, particularly steel metal filings, because there are two, believe it or not, two types of metal filings <laughs> that, that do occur. Right. Uh, and these were like your steel sort of metal filings. That was suggesting an internal problem with the pump, um, the diesel pump. Mm which as soon as you mention diesel pumps, electronic diesel pumps, a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so so we, had it, uh, we had the pump checked. The pump was tested to be fine. Mm. Uh, no problem with the pump. Uh, the suggestion was that it was a problem in the tank or uh, perhaps, uh, you know, in that area. So we dropped the tank down, um, had a look at it. Tank was clear. Everything was clear. Don't know where the metal filings come from, mm. actually. Um, but when we was putting the tank back up, we noticed there was a water drip from uh, a, a water pipe which goes to the rear heater in this particular car. There's mm. uh, two water pipes run under the car um, and disappear up by the fuel tank. And we noticed there was a bit of corrosion on these the, the steel parts of these pipes. Water, little drip, mm. um, which we discovered when we tested the water to see how the, uh, the the water level was the coolant level mm. it was down a little bit low not not that low but it was a little bit low mm. so we topped it up took it for a run and it drove fine mm. which was extremely strange you know um, was there a connection so well yeah i mean what what we decided to do then was to um, we ordered up new pipes because they had to be done anyway because mm. it had a water leak uh, whilst we're still thinking about this other problem mm. and looking for this other problem when we've done a temporary repair, because the parts, like most parts, an order, two-day order, so we, we put a couple of hoses on there. Mm. When we put the hoses on and topped the system up, we took it for a run, and it drove absolutely fine. Got up the temperature, never cut out, never done anything. It drove perfect. Mm. So obviously the water leak was the cause of losing the accelerator pedal. Now, it seems a bit strange, but there's obviously something in the management system on the Kias... Mm. If the water level drops a little bit and it starts to run a little bit above normal, that's enough for the management system to shut down on the accelerator pedal. 
but not put any fault codes in mm. you know which as I said it, originally it, there was no fault codes to say that it had been overheating or it was overheating or there was any other sort of problems yeah. or issues with the car um, this was all a little bit by chance really yeah, because yeah. the leak from the back wasn't even dripping it was the pipe was damp yeah. and it was only when we then looked to the coolant level because again the gauges weren't really showing overheating mm. the car wasn't really overheating um, we discovered the, the, the coolant level was a bit low topped it up it then started to run a little bit below the, the sort of normal mm. and, and it was absolutely fine and it drove fine so we, we ordered up the new pipes, put the new pipes on, yeah. sorted the coolant leak out, and at the same time sorted the acceleration problem out because the car is now driving perfect. And I've, I've, I've got to say, I've not come across a water leak on a car yet that would cause you to lose your accelerator pedal. Bearing in mind this is all that drive-by-wire. It's modern technology for you, Steve, isn't it? Yeah, Some, sometimes we can do without it, to be quite honest. I think it's just, it's overcomplicated. In a lot of the cars now, they really are getting a little bit too overcomplicated. Some of the systems are good, um, safety-wise and emissions-wise. Uh, and I've, I've heard about the, the new BMW. I don't know whether you've heard about it. No, tell it. me about it. BMW diesel. Yeah. Um, talking with somebody, this is like the old Chinese whispers, talking with somebody who was talking to uh, a guy that's involved in developing BMW diesel. And they say that this diesel, um, the way it's set up with the catalytic converter that it has, which is quite expensive, uh, if you put it in a room with uh, a dozen guys and run it, it will actually put out cleaner air than it is in the room in the first place. Now, I've heard about this uh, eight years ago about <coughs> Saab's. Mm. Or maybe it was BMWs, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know about the, the Saab side of it, but I do know that this, this BMW diesel, I mean, does that mean then that the government will actually give you money back <laughs> if you drive one of these cars because you're actually purifying the air? It's an incentive to actually drive everywhere, isn't it? Hmm. Well, it is. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if, if, if they're saying about the, you know, the, the, the motor vehicle with the global warming issues and everything like that, and with all these uh, emission charges in London, surely you've got to be due a rebate every time you drive your BMW diesel into London. They must pay you because you're yeah. actually cleaning their air. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's food for thought, and maybe that's something we ought to look at. Is is look at getting the uh, everyone into BMW diesels, this new technology, mm. and drive them around and get the government to pay us to drive them. <laughs> I think that's maybe the way to go. I do as well. I think you should become a politician, actually, Steve. Anyway, no, Steve, I don't uh, think they'll be able to put up with me like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve Kennard, thank you very, very much indeed, and we'll let's speak again next time. OK, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Passionate About Cars. Passionate About Cars is brought to you by First Class Garage at www.1stclassgarage.co.uk.